Mm, an entire show recorded on the fly. The fly? Mm, I don't know. Yes, it's a week in the life of a superstar, a radio host, a devilishly talented individual, also known as me. And I hear monsters. I'm watching the rain and I'm hearing monsters. That's what I'm hearing. And I'm thinking about waffles and I'm thinking about you and I and the season that we've lived because it's the last of the season five fabulous d show and i am the artist d it all starts right now i never saw a place like this in my life and that's why i always say that's for superstar because who the hell is left i might not have been the first but there's nobody from back then who's still, you know, sitting in front of their computer so fervently, because I still am. I'm just looking up a lot of synonyms for fabulous. It's fucking it. Once you start, you can't stop. You know, it's like fear. That's why this program is for anyone with a brain in their hands. But somebody found a potato that looked like Elvis, and then like a week later, somebody found, I don't know, a breadstick that looked like Jesus. What's wrong with people? And most serial killers run around, you know, oh, they thought they were God, they thought they were Jesus, so, you know, they'd go out and kill 10 or 20 or 50 people. It's lonely being this fucking smart of all that does not contain or pertain to you, yourself, your life, distractions, also known as landmines. Oh, that sounds fun! I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. Do you mean really, really? Can I, can I really, can I, can I really post consults in the chat? Anyone who wants to scare the shit out of a Catholic, all they have to do is, you know, create some kind of, you know, revelation. Always from the right state of mind. Can I say that on here? Is this really necessary? What people don't understand, what people don't understand, what people don't understand, I see So I had this great idea, and it was that the last, the last hurrah, the last show of the of the season five, I would record for you all week long, uh, while I was just going about my day, especially after I exercise, because that's when I am most thoughtful and most active. And you'll hear that I am currently driving. If you hear a lot of sound. And you'll hear me out of breath a lot this week, because if I'm coming back from a run, I'll be very much out of breath. But I just thought I'd record some of my fantastic, fabulous observations for you. Because I have quite a few, and quite frankly, I am so pleased that this is the end of the season. So pleased. You have no clue. You have no idea. I am ecstatic. completely ecstatic it's a lot like going on tour it's like Madonna I feel like I'm Madonna and because uh, Madonna once said let me roll up the windows no that's not what Madonna once said better okay Madonna once said that you know going on tour what, what's your favorite part of the tour and I think she said something about the, the beginning and the end and the rest in between sucked, which I gotta give her props for saying because that means if you attend a Madonna concert in the middle of her tour, she's really not into it and she'd rather not be there whatsoever. And uh, that's not true for me because as you heard last week with Frank, I thought, um, you know, he said something about people 
or, or how he before he gets on air he really doesn't want to do it he doesn't want to push the button whatever whatsoever and I said you too yeah that's how I feel I feel exactly that way and and this is recorded on my phone so it's a different quality it's a different level of something but much to the homage of last week's show we have the technology we can use it it might not be crystal clear it might not be fantastic but this is a lot more than we could do eight years ago ten years ago forever ago but before I get on the radio I think about it and I don't want to do it and then I get on the radio and I want to do it so I do it and in the middle of the show I usually have these these moments where I think my god what else would I do this is fantastic I, I wouldn't have it any other way I want to I want to be I want to live recording radio doing interviews you know, just want to be and do. Wouldn't that be nice? That's that's what I'd like to do. This is what I'd like to do. And believe it or not, before I get on and push that button, I think you know, I don't want to do this. And that's how I feel about the season. Is by the, the end of the season, I'm excited to play that last show. I'm excited to do that last show, but I'm exhausted and I'm ready to take a break. And let me tell you, gentle readers and gentle viewers and gentle listeners, I am ready to take a break. As I need that break. I don't know how these people go on and do their show on a weekly basis for the last 10 years. I mean, for crying out loud, who in their right mind could sit? And and it's no wonder that some of these shows have absolutely no content. And absolutely no, mm, you know, excitement would be the word. Because they've been doing the same thing for every week for eight years. When did they have any time to actually stop and, and rethink the, their show and their layout and do a theme song and, and do something more than they've been doing every week for the last eight years? That's just not happen. That, that doesn't happen. That's not what they they take their time to think about. So they're just doing. They're just they're just doing. Let me tell you what would be terrific. Terrific would be the ability to live one's life how how very interesting I know this is going to be very interesting for you to live one's life and be able to do with it what you please and haven't I been saying this since season I don't know one that it would be just absolutely fantastic if we could live our lives the simple way, the way that, you know, there'd be no jobs, there'd be no <sighs> corporate bullshit. Um, I read something today about, much much on this, this line of thought, I read something that said, I wish I could have a job where I didn't have to worry about goals that didn't matter, I didn't have to worry about bosses belittling me, assaulting me, aggravating me, and I wish that I could just get a paycheck. <laughs> there was this guy that I totally just, I passed while I was running, and he was he was sitting up on a ledge and he was really, really high. I mean, smoking pot high. And he kept hiding from me. Felt like saying, dude, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Give me some of that, you know? God. People would just sit on the sidewalk and smoke things. I don't know. I don't think I'd have a problem with that. And I was just running. 
not a cop. Come on. Sometimes I think about my grandparents. Um, randomly. Not really about the grandparents, but the generation. Because I don't know if you know this about me. I mean, you should certainly know this about me from reading the book, but um, available right now. Uh, I was a historian, and a lot of people think that that was, you know, for naught. I did family history. And while a lot of people think uh, I gave it up and it wasn't my thing, you know, it was my thing, but I did what I could, much like the rest of my experiments in my life, livings. I did what I did, and I completed it and moved on hastily, quickly, because that's how I like to live my life, is experience and move. Experience and move. And sometimes I think about my grandparents when I'm, uh, for instance, this morning I was eating yogurt. And I thought that the one thing, because I don't think that the generations of old, you know, a lot of people say, you know, they'd really appreciate and they'd really like the technology. And I don't think so, because I think it would have scared them half to death. I mean, we would be aliens compared to, um, you know, 1753 farming folk. I mean, imagine, imagine. And, and I think in that respect, I think about the women then approaching a, a woman now. You know, they think they were either Satan herself or, or some sort of trollop or, you know, no one back then would have walked around like they do today. And I think they would have been absolutely horrified to find. So I was eating yogurt and that's one of the things that I think, you know, my grandparents would not have enjoyed computers or technology. I don't think they would have appreciated um, any of the new televised inventions. But I do think they would have appreciated living in the 21st century for the fact that there was more selections of yogurt. I really do. I, I think that they would just have been astounded that they could have gotten not only different flavors, but not a jug. You can get a, a vat of yogurt now, an absolute vat of yogurt. That was never available. And back when I was a child, when I ate yogurt, I used to think about that. I used to think, why do I have to drink it, eat it in this little, little cup? I don't even appreciate that. I wanted a big vat of yogurt, not really to eat the entire vat in one sitting, but I just saw the the futile nature of, of buying all these little plastic cups filled with yogurt when you could just get a vat and have, you know, a little dish full. I think they would appreciate that, and I think they would appreciate the selections, because the selections are just absolutely astounding. Absolutely. What I do think that our, our previous generations would look at us funny for is the portions. It, it's not something... Portions today, whether you're eating them at home, your own meal, or out in the restaurant, but especially out in the restaurant. You know, I come from a place where that, you know, my grandparents would have that rounded meal, the, the palm size of meat a scoop of vegetables, a mound of pasta and or potatoes, and that was it, and a light salad, a light salad with vinegar and oil dressing. That was their meal. That was what they did. And I can't help but think about what if we took them to one of these big food restaurants, you know, where <laughs> when I got to the West Coast... You know, even even changing coasts, because it had yet to, to hit the East Coast, was the appetizer. And, you know, appetizers to us at that time were little things. You know, you had, <laughs> you just had a little bread. That was your appetizer. A little something wrapped in something, something, you know? That's what we had. But then you get to the West Coast, to the New Age, and... 
they put bread on the table and you're eating bread and then the waitress comes around and says, would you like an appetizer? And the appetizer turns out to be, you know, an, a fried onion thing. This huge, ginormous, and, and you order several appetizers. And the appetizers were what what I used to think was the main meal. That's what I would, you know, you can order several chicken fingers now for an appetizer. Where, as a child, I would have said the appetizer was the meal. Several chicken fingers would be a meal. And now look at us. Look at us. And I think that that added to my fatness. Was entering into the 21st century, moving to the West Coast, along with all the other problems that I had, I was presented with restaurants that you you go and you have soup and bread, and then you have an appetizer being, you know, a large portion of, of things. And then you have your main course, which was triple the size of what a meal should be. And we've talked about it before on the show. We've talked about it a lot of the the portion size, the changes of portion size, and how it is now three times the size it should be. You know, you go and dinner out look at the calories 1400 we we i did a show when when i was very large and eating at these places because while i loved eating at these places i saw the ridiculousness i saw the stupidity you go and they're serving you things that are from 2500 to 4000 calories per heaping serving meal that's your appetizers that's your beverages that's your desserts they expect you to have it all and you're having your entire day's worth of calories in one meal let alone your week's worth of bad calories because not all calories are created equal and you go to these places that feed you the worst things ever you can't get the the healthy there's you wouldn't eat 4000 healthy calories because that would be a lot of fucking food no you eat the burger and the fries and the chili and the cheese and the chocolate cake and the soda pop and you you drink and you eat it away and it's a small meal even though it's not a small meal but it's 4000 calories and we have not gotten any better. I still check the, the healthy menus, and the healthy menus are hardly any better. It's ridiculous. That's not how this happens. That's not how this works. And that's why everyone is fat. And that's why it's very hard to stay fit. Because our portions... If I went home right now, it's I am on my phone this week talking to you live. And I've just done my workout as per usual. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat a big meal. And truthfully, I should be eating half of it. No matter how healthy it is, I should be eating half of it. Because I tend to overeat still. But at least I overeat on the good stuff. And that's the only saving grace there, is that what I'm eating is good stuff. It's very good. It's what I'm eating. And I'm not having two burgers. I might be having two slices of chicken. But that's what I'm doing. I mean, come to think of it, the portion sizes that they have are absolutely repugnant. And I think that that would be hilarious to see the reaction. I mean, I can see it now because even... I mean, we were fat. Well, I wasn't fat. As a child, I was overweight. And we were a large family of people who were not exactly obese, you know. When you see a fat family these days, you think, these people are fat. And they have a lot of food going on and a lot of laziness going on amongst themselves. But I came from that mixed family where there were some skinny people and there were large people. But you never saw the really, really, really big fat person. And... You know, we, we had our portions, and I remember we had our grandparents over for uh, meals and things, and and to them, we ate gluttonously. And probably in comparison, which is the fantastic, fascinating part of this, in comparison, they probably, 
what they considered overeating then is now considered normal eating now. You know, if I showed the portion that I had in the 90s for a meal, a normal sit-down family meal, then to someone now, they would say that that was a little less than they're used to. And, you know, if I showed the portion I have now, to me, to the family back then, they'd probably think that I was a gluttonous hound. Gluttonous, gluttonous, gluttonous hound. And in fact, and that's the scary thing we're coming to, is my book, uh, if you read in, in, in my book, that, you know, the portions that I had when I overate and ate a lot is a lot like the portions that people eat today, normally. And of course, I, I really did did hit it really, really hard. But to tell you the truth, a lot of that looks a lot like what people are eating today, which is amazing. So we're just expanding and expanding. And we've talked about the waste of food before. And it's ridiculous. I'm over it. In our low points, we think about the best times and the things we never had. And as a realistic person and a total surrealist at the same time, I realized that those times would have turned out badly had they been lived to their fullest. The only thing that made them good was living them and cutting it short before it got bad. You know, ending the TV series before it got old. Which is why I just wish that everyone would understand what's really good and what's really bad. And that what's really good might get really bad. And that with time, everything kind of rusts. Even metaphysical things. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's why people get stuck in slumps. Because they're sold this bill of goods about how you choose a life and you choose your career and you choose your family, your lover, your spouse. And that's it, folks. But that's not how it's supposed to be. Because nothing lasts, ever. And if you want variety, if you want realistically mixing it up and always having fun and always enjoying yourself, you will commit to a life of constant changes. Always. Alright, this is Tony Easy. You're listening to The Fabulous D Show, a.k.a. That Motherfucker. Check out theartistd.com. This episode of The Fabulous D Show is brought to you by our friends at... Come in. Share photos, share videos, chat, flirt, make friends, and have fun, have fun. On Transtastic.com. Hi, it's me, Frank Catolo, and there's only one place to go on Thursday nights live. Do what most people are doing on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They're getting on their iPhone, their iPad, taking an ibuprofen, and they're listening to Catolo Chronicles. It happens in the cyber broadcasting world. It's the original talk show on radio. Go to catolochronicles.blogspot.com. Click to listen. I'm Frank Catolo, the man whose name adorns the title of the show. Radio. Is that a furry in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Radio. Join Skylar Hall and Bolo Cute Fox for a rousing round of music that spans the genres. It's hotspotradio.net. Radio. He'll take listener requests and dish it all live on SRN1. It's 
hotspotradio.net live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. EST. Radio. <laughs> You are listening to Rainbow Mix Radio, where all the good songs have gone. Art, music, literature, and the truth. It's Four Culture Magazine. Calling all artists. Find out more at fourculture.com. That's F-O-U-R culture.com. This is Mac Danger from Swilling Radio and also from Dead Cowboy Rebellion and Twin Rivers. You are currently listening to The Fabulous D Show with your host, the artist D. It's Funtastic on Transtastic.com. Our artist D is fabulous. Welcome back to The Fabulous D Show broadcasting from Earth. At theartistd.com. Oh my god, so I was just out. This is the show from outside. Doing the show outside this week for you, end of season. It's my daily life. It's my weekday thinking. This is what I think about all week long. Oh my god, so I was out. And what did I see? sitting there under a canopy, much like that guy who was smoking pot the other day and was hiding from me, ridiculously, stupidly, there is a young punk, gothy-looking, 16, 17, long black hair, male, sitting calmly, next to, clearly, his girlfriend, geekishly, sitting there in a sweater, holding his hand. And I thought, oh my God, I'll never, never. I'm not going to say, like all these other people, I'm getting old. I'm not going to go there. Because, you know, when I was younger... I used to take the observation and take it as loud as possible to everyone who would hear it. You're always young to somebody. And the older I get, it's true. It remains true. You're always young to somebody, therefore you're always young. Unless you're like 120, then it's going to be a little harder to find somebody who thinks you're young. But... You know, if you make it to 120, you probably don't give a fuck. But the flip side of that is, is that you're always old to somebody, too. Always old to somebody. So, and I noticed that when I was about 20-something and a 13-year-old approached me and made me feel horrendously old by saying something about, you know, technology that... Or, you know, or even the re- realization that I've been online for 15 years and there's someone who was born the day that I created a web page, my first web page in 1999. And, or 1997. <laughs> See, it's, it's so old I even forgot why it's 15 years. <laughs> oh my God. But, you know, so you're always old to somebody, you're always young to somebody. And I'm not going to be one of those people that said, I'm too old for fill in the blank, because you're never too old. And I'm never going to say I'm, you know, fat and that's it, or I'm skinny and that's it. It, It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But when I saw those kids, that teenager and his girlfriend sitting under outside under the canopy, sharing that moment, you know, that's the moment that you can say you're not going to have that. Because, quite simply, and quite realistically, and truthfully, and honestly, you will not be that person ever again. And yes, you can have love with someone sitting under a canopy, holding their hand, being that, you know, Cupid floating around your head, yay, naive. But you're never going to be as naive as you were when you were 17, and you were in love. 
And as we approach that horrific month, I will not be with you in show to talk about February's landmine, also known as Valentine's Day. Uh, Unfortunately, I will be on hiatus, and I will be back, though, of course, in the next season to discuss more landmines. But I can't tell you how much I loathe Valentine's Day, but you'll never have that February naivete of a 17-year-old in love. And what do they say about your first love? You'll never forget your first love. And that is absolutely true. It'll never be like it was with the first love. It'll never be like it was... Oh, there's someone crossing the street with a dog and a laser. Oh, oh, he's playing with the dog and the laser. That's interesting. So there's there's never, you know... Is he, okay, I hate when people approach the car and stare at me like I'm a fucking zoo creature. Oh my god. And he's playing with the laser chase. Has the dog chased the laser? Like, that's... That's nice of him. Oh my god, I will not be distracted by onlookers. You will never be... naive again. Of that first love that you had, that you traveled three hours for in your car at 16 to meet someone online who you then made out with in the back of the whatever. You know who you are. Wish you were listening. You'll never fly to the middle of God knows and meet up with the love of your life and have him stick his... You'll never have that, and you know who you are. Wish you were listening. You'll never have that again. And if you do, it's not going to be the same. But you'll never... And you'll never forget the first love, because usually it was a fleeting love. Even those who seem to live out their love and that relationship seem to still miss it. I miss mine only because they were not completed and left unfinished. And what did I say earlier this week? Yes, exactly. The things that are incomplete are the most exciting, happiest moments of your life because you did not complete them and you did not destroy them. You did not sap out all of the energy and move on and, and realize that it was a bad... It ended up bad, and it's a bad scar, and you want to forget about it. But you'll never have that same naivete as those two teenagers sitting outside under the canopy looking up at the stars. And someone may say to you, I don't know, if someone if someone said to me now, even if I was in love with them, and we were looking up at the stars, and they said some sort of cheesy, you know the line, uh, if I could rope the moon. And if someone said to me, like, I don't think I could possibly be with someone who would say that to me now. If, if you are, if you've come this far and you, you come to that place where you realize the, the embittered and ridiculousness of, and you can be in love, you can be foolishly in love, but there's a level of it that you're never going to reach again. I think you get lost. Rope the moon. Come on. <laughs> You're not going to rope the moon. You're not going to love me forever. Like this, you know? And and I've found the love, and, and we've become friends, and, and so on and so forth throughout relationships. And there are people who I loved severely who will... We'll never hate each other, but we'll never... It won't be that way. You're not going to love... You're not going to lustfully love someone forever if you consummate it into love. When lust turns to love, and love exists, you don't grow lustfully. I hate to insult, because I know that some people feel that they've been in lust their entire lives with someone who they've been with for their entire lives. 
And I don't want to insult those people, but I think they're missing something. They're, they're missing a key element of what makes it old. Bravo! And that's why it shouldn't be an insult. Bravo to them for being able to stay lustfully in love for 25 years. That is fantastic. Whatever piece that they were able to remove from that relationship that makes every day a passionate, incredible moment, good for them. And I think it's that they were able, they were those perfect people that found each other that they could change together forever. Because what have I said about that? If you change apart, you grow apart. If you change together, you'll stay together and you will probably have that love because then you're experiencing new things all the time together. Most couples, they grow apart because they change apart. And that's where they are. That's what they, they cannot harness the same interests in new things together. I became interested in one thing. He or she became interested in the next. We're not wanting, we don't want to do the same things together. That's not our bag anymore. That's not what we do. So I'll never be the long-haired hippie in the park, loving, lustfully thinking about roping the moon for somebody. It's not going to happen. And that's not a bad thing. But uh, I do miss. I miss being 17. Just like I miss whatever I talked about this week, Atlanta. I'll always miss the times that I've had before because they were certain portions of my life that were different, new, unique. And there will be more in my future. And I will miss those too. And I'll probably miss this time too. I'll miss it all. This place is killing me, Bob. Mm, I don't know who Bob is. <laughs> a life, a day in the life of, a life in the day of. Mm, what can I say? Uh, that's what this show is. That's what this week is. And, you know, I'm, I am much like the rest of you. I get up, I go into a weekly pace of job, of, of doing things that, you know, I can't say I don't want to do because uh, if one was forced to work, which we all, almost all are, then I guess I'd be doing what I'm currently doing until I could currently do something else and something else after that and something else after that, after that. change, 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 change. Mm. Quentin Crisp said something about that there wasn't many decisions that he made or choices that he made for himself. He is, and therefore is, period. And uh, I think it was the interview about him moving to New York was his publicist says, this is the only thing you've been passionate about, so I guess we should do something about it. And I, I could say I try, try so desperately to live my life very similarly. Mm. Very similarly. Because I, I don't try to make major decisions. I try to have them just go and, and make themselves, you know? Relationships I've had. And, and this is probably going to come across very, very interesting and comical to a lot of people because they think that strong, powerful people, such as myself would make decisions and not allow others to make decisions for them. And while I don't think that people make decisions for me, I do allow that wave to carry me in that relationships, jobs, I've just been moving in a forward motion. Perhaps that's the key. I've been going in a forward motion. And I keep going in a forward motion. And I make sure that I continue to push forward. But as far as what happens to me on that way, 
I find it very hard to make decisions as far as saying, no, I will not go this way. It's more like, well, there is an opening and there, there is a, a, something to do and something to be. So just have at it and go and be and become. You know, date, marry, love, divorce, separate, move along. Just keep moving along. I don't find that to be quite, you know, unique uh, with me. And when I heard that out of Quentin Crisp, it just, it, it is very me. It is very who I, who I am. I suppose when you feel stagnation, so suppose when I feel stagnation is when I most feel horrified that I might not move forward because I have always been driven of the waves and to not let a wave carry me is very unnatural to me. And in my middle of life where I currently am, we're just guesstimating here, middle of life, that is, is a guesstimate, is I just... I'm terrified of not allowing a wave to take me while being taught by people how to say no, how to make decisions, how to realize, you know, how, how do you realize as, as this free creature in a wave that you're going to break the wave? because you've found yourself in a whirlpool. How do you do that? And say, no, I'm going to move on now. And no, this is not going to happen anymore. It's very difficult. And I suppose I have done that previously. And I've made those tough decisions and moved and broke. But there's something very different about now. There's something very, very different about now in the life of. And I'm not sure what it is. These are the things I take hiatuses for and think about, because I can. When I thought about doing a week in review, a week in the life of, I, I didn't really expect it to become some sort of hmm, depressing monologue. And then I thought, should I really release that because... You know, do people want to hear that? And it is a truth truth show. It's a reality show. It's no matter how much fun we may have delving into the life of all the superstars that are on the show and all the wonderful people with all the wonderful outlooks, there's still a somber truth to it all that we live in this world, in this culture, in this society that we basically disagree with as far as how it's wasting lives and wasting time and ruining perfect artistic ambitions and I think you know do I want people to hear what they may perceive as depression but if you don't pick that up on a weekly basis I'm not sure what you're picking up as far as if you see depression if you don't see depression there is always a somberness when it comes to someone who is in reality and in truth and I mean just look at Bukowski, Burroughs, Crisp, Dali, you know, name some truth tellers, name some surrealists, name people who really, really realized that life was what it was. And they're not, you know, someone could have said Burroughs and Bukowski easily been depressed by life. And I feel a lot of the times I sound the same. And it's possibly true. I mean, we're not happy people. I'm not a happy person, no matter what you say. But on the same token, we're not unhappy. I'd, I'd say I'm, I'm actually quite happy for the level I'm at in reality. So I hope you're not confused. And I hope that, you know, that's why I'm sure this show appeals to those who feel very down and out by society. But hopefully it gives them a glimmer of hope, just like I'd always hoped it would. Because I have a glimmer of hope, knowing reality as I do.
But then what can I say? After an evening of absolute wallowing, you wake up in the morning, the sun is shining, you're still in that somber, realistic mood, as you were. But you were reminded this morning that the flow exists, and you're still in the flow. And the most freaked out feeling ever, for me, is when I feel I'm not in it anymore. In that whirlpool. But then you wake up, and it smells like earth outside. And it sounds like earth outside, in this world of theirs. <laughs> and you cross the paths of someone that you would never cross the path with if the flow wasn't real first thing in the morning and the black woman behind you in the car is rocking out to some inspirational shit in a fabulous way the kids at the bus stop have blue hair and the pet shop boys are on the radio and suddenly your faith, if there is such things, is renewed, isn't it, though? Not retracting anything, only expounding upon it. Of course, when I say I almost ran over, I don't mean that I almost ran over. I mean that a individual almost walked out in front of my car... Uh, but they stopped themselves, and I stopped myself, and less because of the person walking out in front, because really, I mean, when you live in the big city, middle of everywhere, you get to that point where people start walking out in front of you all the time, and you just keep driving because they stop. But a week in the life of, I have to tell you about, the person that walked out in front of me turned out to be a person who I have not seen nor knew existed any longer since eight to ten years ago. At least. At least. It was one of the first individuals I knew in this, in this place that I had come to. And the astonishing thing was he was a very handsome uh, man back in the day and then uh, to cross paths it and it is that crossing of paths I'm always talking about the waves the waves of the universe and this is one of those wave stories because there are certain times where something happens that if you were not going forward from point A to B, it never would have aligned perfectly with someone's crossing path or some things crossing path. You know, it's unfortunately, and, and I really, really don't want to compare it to this, but it's it's a true comparison. It is the same feeling as when you realize that you just missed dying. That something, you know, could have just hit you right then if you hadn't moved five minutes earlier. Or if, if you weren't in the, if you were in the building ten minutes earlier, it would have blown up. It's that, that sort of feeling. And thankfully, I have more good stories to compare to that than bad stories. And it's such like this, where you're just in that. It, it kind of reminds me many, many more years ago when I was in um, a hotel in a random city. And I was at my heaviest and one of my most depressing moments. And I saw an ex-husband. And it was a turning point for me because I was so embarrassed that out of all the places in the world, out of all the places in the world, I had to run into you here. You know, that sort of thing. That Out of all those places that I could have been 
and he could have been, we were in the same place, at the same time, for him to see me. And pardon me, the tea is ready. So for once I was in, in a place where I wasn't looking terrible, much like that other encounter. And, and I've had many encounters. That, that happens a lot in my life. When I'm at my lowest, well, I mean, isn't that the way? And I don't know why that is the way. I can't explain what people think is karma or coincidence. But these things happen all the time, don't they? You are at your worst. We are all at our worst, our lowest, our fattest, our most depressed, you know, pick one, pick a couple. And we run into the, the one person who we don't ever want us uh, to see us in the way that we are. You know, it's just like seeing that ex-husband. It was like, oh, to show him what he didn't miss. <laughs> and in my case, it was more like to show him what he did to me. That sucks. That absolutely was horrifying and it, it kind of spun me off into a different direction of Jesus Christ I can't go around looking like this I can't go around feeling like like I'm feeling I can't do that so the other day rounding the corner who steps out in front of me but that old friend who I haven't seen and who kind of disappeared from my life like so many people disappear and he looked absolutely terrible absolutely terrible he was a mess and it kind of flashed back to when I was a mess and got seen by some people but you know I felt bad for him because not that I know that I should feel bad for him he could be perfectly happy he could be uh, totally fine but that's kind of what I was talking about the other day, is, is the, the sight of stagnation. And I think that is the sight of stagnation, is right there. That, that he And it was driving by the place that he has probably lived for the last 10 to 20 years. And it just makes me feel like that, that is the point. That is my point of why I keep moving, is a terror to stagnate more than I already do, place by place, and to stay in one place for, for 10 or 20 years, it just, it gets you so comfortable, and, and you get so swept up in, in everything, and all the bad things. I just don't appreciate that, and I won't appreciate that. And it was yet another moment in my life to say that I was still still in the flow, still in the right wave. I'm not as stagnant as I thought I was because I thought I was near, you know, sucked in. But then when you see somebody else who is really sucked in, that's the wake-up call to be totally cliché. So it's the end of season five. To say that I am overwhelmed is an understatement, and it's not your fault, gentle listeners. I have been very busy, very, very busy with day-to-day -day doldrums and coming home to a full-time art career. And I keep doing what I'm doing. And you know, the other night, the best person who could have ever said anything nice about me, said something very nice about me and what I do. And that, I mean, compliments are so rare from certain individuals. And they said that at least I'm trying, at least I'm doing something. And well, at least I am. Because the worst thing you could do is nothing. And when I look back on the website, thefabulousdshow.com, and I see all these seasons, although you don't see all the seasons yet, because 
We haven't gotten them all up yet on the new website, but there's a full season five and a full season four, and I know what I've lived through. I've lived through one to three as well. And you'll see some of those episodes too. Unfortunately, not as many as we'd like to share with you because of the copyright uh, issues being podcast versus live play. But they're there in my mind and they're there in my life. And to think that for six years now, because I've been on the air for six years with five seasons, go figure. And going into the sixth, seventh year that I have dedicated to broadcast along with other things and wonderful things have come and wonderful things are coming. We have more syndicates. We have more uh, broadcasting outlets and opportunities that I'll be working on the next several months to be elsewhere, to be heard, to have the truth heard and the truth of others heard. And I guess it was one of those moments where I just needed to hear it and coming from that very rare person, the rare complimentary person, I thought, wow, must be doing something right. As well as the people that I've pissed off this season. It's either a, a good sign or a bad sign. When you piss off a lot of people, you're usually doing something very right or something very wrong. And that is up to you to decide how it feels to you. So there's been a lot, and usually at the end of the season we do an awards show, and we could not do an awards show this season, because honestly the awards shows have passed, awarded all of the live guests that were on, uh, who suffered gladly through our, our madness and our fabulousness. And those people were awarded for it. But season five was all about the people. We had guests almost every week, and every one of those guests was something special, someone special, someone fabulous. And to do an awards show would, would mean to give them all an award, because they are all severely appreciated, severely fabulous, and severely important members of the underground. So I'm very, very happy that everyone tuned in and everyone enjoyed the season. I can only foresee greater things and more. There's more on the horizon. And as I said earlier this week, it's like going on tour. The first few are wonderful and the last is exhausting. I am ready for a break. I know you may not be, but you can catch up because I know you've not been listening to all of the shows. So you can go back and catch up and you can also read all of the things that we've been putting out. And I will be here getting ready for all the things I need to get ready for. Season 6, Issue 5 and a new endeavor, which you'll hear much more about on theartistd.com. You can see all of the shows at thefabulousdshow.com. And, as always, until forbid, I'm here, and I'll always be here, because if there's anything we found out in Season 5, it's what our passions are, and what we're really in love with doing, no matter what the cost. So for a final time, grab your guns and your graffiti and your gender, put them on, wear them proudly, be fabulous, and I will talk to you more in the next few. It's the Artist D. Good night. Oh,
most people imagine that happiness consists of getting what you want, but really it consists of liking what you've got. It's easier and cheaper. <laughs>